folks. I'm going to be preaching from that passage in uh, Ephesians 4. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. And I'm preaching this as part of the, the context is that the church is doing a series on loving one another. Let's bow our heads and pray. <clears throat> Father God, we pray that you would open our hearts to your word today. May we hear you speaking into our lives. And Father, we pray that you'd speak powerfully into our lives. Amen. <clears throat> when I was a young warthog, I, I had a, my brother Paul, who is 18 months older than me, we would fight. And I have a broken pinky because I hit him so hard once. And my mother would, would, would quote this verse, be kind to each other, forgive one another as God and Christ has forgiven you. I can still remember my mum used to quote that as we were growing up. So that's what, that, that, that is the, 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 the verse of the sermon. But remember the context is love one another. For those who don't know me, I am a, um, a Zimbabwean married to, to, to Carol, so Jersey had to let me in. They've been regretting it ever since. And in, in 1994, I was ministering in Harare. My church had hundreds in it, largely black people, but there were a, a sizable number of, of white people and mixed-race people. 1994... I noticed a change in Mr. Mugabe's way of talking. He was starting in his speeches, he was starting to use overt racist language. So you've got the president of the country now talking racially. As, as, and then we started to notice that bad racial things were happening. So... Um, Black children, even from rural schools, little, little children, were starting to shout at white people and starting to shout, bunu, bunu, bunu. Now, I can use that word here because you guys don't know what it means. <laughs> but it's a very, very, very rude word. You should never say that to someone else. It's extremely rude. But they, they, they felt they could do it with impunity because Mr. Mugabe was talking in these sorts of senses. And the problem then is that when, once you start raising, it's, it's like with all these things that are going on in the world, then the white community started hitting back, particularly the young guys. And we started to get increasing incidents of, of racial, racial incidents, bad ones. And one of the things I believe about the church is I believe that the church's calling is to be a prophetic sign of hope to the world. We have to be a sign of difference. And we have to be a sign that, that gives hope to the world out, outside because the world outside the church does not have hope. So, I announced that we were going to start a series on loving one another. It was going to end in the Easter of the following year. <laughs> so that meant that they were having a six-month series on love one another. <laughs> Father, what are we having today? Uh, love one another. 
Mama. But Father, did we not have that last week? Yes, Mama, we did. <laughs> and the week before? Yes, and it's going to be after that as well. Until we start loving one another. And I tell that story because in 2001 they appointed a pro Mugabe bishop and my Anglican career was over and I, I, I resigned from the ministry. Uh, I didn't actually resign, I thought this is rubbish, I walked out. Uh, and I just thought, you, you, can't, uh, you can't have a bishop who supports Robert Mugabe, just can't. If you ever saw pictures of Robert at a state occasion with a man in purple behind him, you would have been looking at the man. And I thought, this is gone. I'm going, going out of here. My church then went through, a, they were, my church was persecuted. And they took away their Bibles and they took away their, 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 their songbooks. And they had, to go, they had to leave the church building to go and, and, and the Roman Catholics were very good to them. And they, they used to worship on a Sunday up at the Roman Catholic church. Well, they couldn't worship inside the church, but in, in their church hall. The great thing for me, though, was... That, 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 that's going forward about um, seven, five, six, seven years. The community held together. And that was the wonderful thing. They started to get it. I believe that that six months of looking at the issues, and man, we had, we had tense things in church. When we looked at the issue of race, ah, ah. We looked at the issue of tribalism. Ah, 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 ah. Really tense. Because these, the church has to address real issues. And it's this issue of forgiveness that I want to look at this morning. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ forgave you. The trouble with coming from Zimbabwe is my stories are always extreme. But I'm this, let me use this to illustrate something that I want to talk to you about. Fast forward some years, and it was about 2003. I, was, I had left the church in 2001, and after I left the church, two weeks afterwards, Morgan Changarai, who is the leader of the Movement for Democratic Change, which is the, the main opposition party... That had, the party had, had birthed in 1999 and it was mobilizing to win elections. The problem was that people who signed up for MDC were then tortured or beaten up because of their allegiance to the Movement for Democratic Change. The problem the party had was that these people were then coming two MDC officers, they had officers around the country, they were coming to these officers wanting help. They, their house has been burned down. They need help. They've been tortured. They needed help. And Morgan was trying to win elections, but suddenly had this whole welfare arm, welfare problem that he had to address. Because if he didn't, people... If, 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 if it was not known that if you joined MDC, you were going to suffer, if there was nothing that was done, the party was in trouble. So then Morgan asked me if I would set up a work, that, where, a work where people who are tortured 
could go and get help. And so I did that, set up a work that continues today, Zimbabwe Community Development Trust. And it, we didn't set it up as an arm of the MTC. Uh, we set it up as a Christian work, and it was a, we had 12 centers around the country where people who, who were tortured or suffered in any way for, for, because of their movement, for this, because of their political alliances, they could go and get help. If they had been tortured, or not, not tortured, but made to suffer, if they'd been beaten up because they were ZANU-PF, they could also come to us. But actually, that, that, there weren't many of those. So we had these people, brave, brave people, and the, the, the mission statement of the, of the business was creating avenues of hope in time of darkness. And that's what we did. We created avenues of hope. We formed an alliance with doctors and we formed an alliance with psychiatrists. Because if you've been tortured, you, is, you need psychiatric care afterwards to get over the trauma of what's happened to you. So we, we, we were offering a deep work. Zimbabwe Community Development Trust, our main work was, was humanitarian. Around about 2003, I was starting to think about how are we going to... We've got these people who've gone through merry hell. How are we going... What can we do for the future? Desmond Tutu has written a book called No Future Without Forgiveness. And what I did was I, I, I bought the book and I gave it to all my frontline staff and we set up focus groups around the country. And the idea was that they were using Tutu's book, No Future Without Forgiveness, they were to look at issues around forgiveness and the effect of, of what's happened in, in Zimbabwe, in their communities and how, how you can forgive, and how we need to forgive, and how to move on. Remember Desmond Tutu wrote the book out of the South African situation where they had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and, that, and if truth was told, then truth, forgiveness could be applied. Powerful book. The, um, so these, these focus groups then started operating in in, in the country. I then brought the whole team back to Harare to get some feedback on how, how they were finding this. What, were, what, were they, what was the effect like in the communities that they were working in? How, how, how did reflecting on forgiveness, what was it like? What, what's been happening? And I can still remember the day. The sun was shining. The sun always shone in Zimbabwe. <laughs> Not always, but it's, it's good. And we're in this room. I've got all my, my staff there. And the day started. And then we started to share our experiences. And what happened was that as the women who were these brave women were, were 
were part of my team, as they started to talk about their experiences, they started to cry because they were feeling such pain. Remember, you've been in a focus group with people who've been tortured. And that's deep pain. And you're going through talking about forgiveness. And the blokes in my team, you know what blokes are like. The ladies are crying and the blokes just stare at the table in front of them. (laughs) But you could tell they were feeling the pain as well. And what was the problem? Why were these ladies crying? And the problem was this. The perpetrators or the sellouts who were responsible for the suffering were not sorry. They were not sorry. And that was true for all the focus groups. They were not sorry at what had, ha- what had, what had been done. And that's the difficulty, isn't it? That's the thing with forgiveness. It's very, very, very difficult for you and me to forgive when the other persons or the parties which have wronged us, if they're not sorry. Yes, yes, yes. We really struggle if the others won't own the guilt. It's extremely hard. Isn't it? Hmm? Because we might say, well, I forgive them. And then within seconds, it all comes rushing back and you remember. Hey? And so my first challenge to you is this. Is there someone that you should go and see or phone to say, I'm sorry? Is there some situation that in your mind you're justifying? But actually, you should just say, I'm, I'm sorry. And maybe that person is dead. Maybe they've, 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 they've gone, and you can't say sorry. Then ask Jesus to take that soul, a message that you're sorry. Because he can do that. God can do that. There's no future without forgiveness. 
When we move on through asking for forgiveness, a whole lot of possibilities open up for us, don't they? Because we waste an awful lot of time, an awful lot of time, justifying in our minds why, no, 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 I was quite right there. Notice in that passage that in the, in the gospel reading that the person who is forgiven then won't forgive someone else. Friends, the second challenge is this. You are forgiven in Christ. You are forgiven all your sins. Everything is clean. Everything's washed away. There is no record of your guilt at all. It's cleansed. But we also need to forgive one another. We also have to apply the ointment of forgiveness. We have received that ointment of forgiveness in abundance, so we must use it liberally with one another. Hey? The Christian life is a call, is a life of forgiveness, of being forgiven and forgiving. Because isn't it true, isn't it true that we, we, we people, we say dumb things, man? Yeah? We think dumb things. Wrong things. We desire revenge. God wants us to be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. You cannot, you cannot put a fence around how much forgiveness you're going to offer and say, well, I'll go that far and then no further. I'll go that far so long as they, they change. Notice, notice, Peter says, how many times must I forgive? Is it seven times? Hey, that's pretty good, eh? And Jesus says to him, no, not seven, 70 times seven or other translations. Anyway, a lot of forgiveness. Why does he say so many times of forgiveness? Why 70, 70 times seven? How many times of forgiveness? Why does he say that? Man, Jesus is brilliant here. He says it because, friends, it's what other way it is. I forgive him his sins. Yeah. I walk away. I say, yeah, I've forgiven. And then you remember. And then you've got to forgive again. And then you have to forgive again. And then when you wake up in the night and you remember... You forgive again. You forgive again. You keep putting the ointment on. Keep putting it on. You keep applying forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. To the wound that's in your soul and that's in the relationship 
And as you apply this ointment of forgiveness, healing starts to take place. And then you get to that point, that lovely point, where you have forgiven in spite of your still being able to remember. Because that's when forgiveness has taken place. You can still remember it, but the remembrance is just a little different. Forgiveness has happened. So come, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, make us people. People who forgive. Come, Lord Jesus, make us people who are kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Come, Lord Jesus, and make this community a prophetic sign of hope to a world outside. Come, Lord Jesus, and do a work in our day that is so wonderful. We wouldn't believe it if we were told of it. Amen.